Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Everybody, a very special guest coming up in just a moment. But I want to first tell you that today's podcast is brought to you by New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. Whether it's leak detection, water line repair, plumbing repair, bathroom plumbing, New Works has a fix for you. Locally owned for over 20 years, New Works is a full service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. Just go to newworksplumbing.com, N E W wrxplumbing.com that's newworksplumbing.com my guest today is an unbelievably versatile broadcaster he has been the voice of the nets since 2002 you hear him doing the national football league he's worked the olympics he has an incredible foundation it's an absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast chris carino chris it's grant napier good to have you on how are you Hey, Grant. How are you, man? Good to talk to you. I am doing well. You know, it's amazing. I did not realize this until probably two or three years ago that you also are a graduate of a graduate of Fordham. It's amazing <laughs> to me because I'm very close with Mike Breen and obviously best friends with Michael Kay. It's incredible that you're the voice of the Nets. Breen is the voice of the Knicks and, of course, the NBA and that Michael Kay, the uh, TV voice of the Yankees. It's unbelievable what a great broadcasting school Fordham has. Well, first of all, Grant, I, I think we have to do a better job with our PR. I don't, I don't know why it took this long for you to realize <laughs> that I was there. We got, we got to get on that a little bit. Um, I thought we really publicized this more. Uh, and you know, you mentioned the guys in the uh, Bob Papa, another one, voice of the yep. Giants. Yep. Um, you know, and then on the in other New York broadcasts here with the Rangers, John Giannone, Um uh, Jack Curry, who you see on the Yes Network broadcast with the Yankees. I was not aware of uh, that. Ryan, Jack, too. Wow. No. Yeah. Uh, Jack Curry and Bob Papa, I believe, were, were roommates at Fordham. Um, you know, Ryan Rucco. Uh, it's, yeah. We, wow. Fordham has done it. Spiro Didis is another one that people would know. I did not um, know that. Mike Yam on the NFL Network. I mean, wow. I'm, doing, I'm doing the work of the Fordham PR department. Hey, the right hell now. with, Sir- hey, the hell with Syracuse. I don't want to talk about Syracuse anymore. Now I'm yes. going to Fordham. Uh, no, dis- no. No, no disrespect to your colleague, Ian Eagle, but I, I don't <laughs> want to hear about Syracuse anymore. No, and, and, and also I'll make this announcement publicly. Uh, my son, Christopher, who wants to get into this business in my footsteps, he will be attending uh, Fordham in the fall. So, yeah, hopefully he'll be in the next one after that. That is phenomenal. 
what impact did Marty Glickman have on your broadcasting career? Oh man, uh, the the biggest impact uh, from from the standpoint of 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 developing my craft. You know, um, I, I tell the story. Marty was my broadcasting coach at Fordham, uh, and legendary broadcaster. Invented radio play by play on uh, on basketball, and you know people if people don't know him. Maybe some younger people out in the audience. I mean. The term swish and the key, these are, these are things that Marty invented, you know, and, um, and I, I went up to Fordham the first week I was there and I signed up for a sports workshop and I sat in on this, on this class with Marty Glickman and I realized a couple of things. Number one, this is what I wanted to do. And number two, I had to let Marty teach me how to do it. Mm. I, had to, I had to throw away everything I thought I knew about what play-by-play was and let Marty teach me because he had a, he had a, he had a view of it and he had a mantra. It was consider the listener. And that is in my head every time I do a broadcast, how does this sound to the person that I'm trying to communicate with? It could be from doing play-by-play. It could be doing something like this. It could be doing a sports update. Um, It was always, how are you sounding? You have to, you have to take yourself out of yourself and, and, and how is this sounding to the person on the other end? And as far as play-by-play, you know, he just he totally blew my mind of the approach. You know, doing radio play-by-play, and a lot of kids in my generation, we grew up, you know, television was just really starting to be the main thing. You know, maybe I was probably just out of the generation where, where people listen to the radio all the time. I grew up with, you know, listening to Marv Albert doing Ranger games on radio. And, but, but everything else you kind of watched on TV and you listened when you were in the car. But Marty gave me this whole idea of that you have to paint the picture. You know, you have to describe how a player is moving toward the right wing and a bounce pass into the post, right of the lane and a turnaround fadeaway that hits nothing but net. You know, like mm-hmm. just to paint that picture in people's minds. Um, that all comes from Marty and, uh, you know, uh, the, my senior year at Fordham, I, I won this award from Madison square garden network. It was, uh, you know, for, for college radio play by play. And I got to do a, uh, a quarter of a Knicks game mm. on their radio broadcast. And wow. I'm a senior in college. I'm a, I'm a kid from Yonkers, New York, and I get to be at the garden and sit with Walt Frazier mm. and do the third quarter of a Nets-Washington Bullets game back in April of 1992. And the night before, I get a call at my house. I lived at home. I was a commuter to school. Mm-hmm. I lived at home. And my mother answers the phone and says, it's Marty Glickman. Wow. And Marty never called my house, you know. But he called me up. He says, Chris, I, I, I know you're doing this game tomorrow. And I want you to remember that just because you're in Madison Square Garden or the Rose Hill Gym or the Hostra Gymnasium, it doesn't make a single difference. You do the damn game the way you've done every other damn game. <laughs> and it was like my it was like my Gene Hackman moment in Hoosiers, right? When they show up at yep. Butler Fieldhouse and he's measuring the rims and the lines. As you, you'll find it's the same dimensions as, uh, as, as our gym in Hickory. You know? That's and, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, that's unbelievable. 
Yeah. I grew up. It's great stuff. I grew up. Uh, we were blessed growing up to have season tickets to both the Giants and the Jets, but I'm a huge Giants fan, and our tickets were in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium. And as a kid in the 60s, sitting in the bleachers at Yankee Stadium, everyone had transistor radios, and Marty Glickman, who was the voice of the Giants back then, was incredible. Uh, His voice is so ingrained in my head because of the echo from all of the people with transistor radios. We'd be (laughs) watching a game, and I'd be hearing the voice of Marty Glickman. He is so legendary in that area, and you talk about the impact that he had on your career. I can't believe the phone call and how classy that is for him to call you and give you that advice, but what type of person was Marty? I never had a chance to meet him. He, he, you know, he's a, first of all, he's a fascinating man. I mean, I used to call it Tuesdays with Marty because <laughs> right. the Tuesdays with Maury, right. but it was Tuesdays with Marty because it was, it was activity period, uh, at Fordham every Tuesday, there'd be like a two hour chunk that was, there were no classes. So that's when you did all your kind of extracurricular activities. And that would be the period where Marty would come and he was just, he wasn't a professor at Fordham, but he would come and he would just work with the us at the students at the radio station, he would have a two hour um, workshop with us every Tuesday. So Tuesdays with Marty and he would, half of it was, you know, him, him, he would give a lesson. He may come in with a particular lesson that day that he wanted to talk to us about. A lot of it was just, you know, listening to our tapes, guys were doing games and he would listen to them. And you used to be able to see how far along the tape you can get before Marty stopped it. You know, if he could go, your you know, the whole period of, you know that was always the thing can i get could i get 5 minutes without marty <laughs> stopping to correct me about something but a lot of the other times and and this is the best part of it was he would just tell stories i mean he would just go off on tangents and tell stories and you think about the stories that he was an all american track star at Syracuse he was on the 1936 olympic team with Jesse Owens how about that um, yeah, and he would tell stories about Lou Zamperini, who was the subject of Laura Hildebrand's book, Unbroken, which if anybody has never read that, that is an unbelievable book, and it was made into a movie. He was the he was on the track team in 1936. Incredible. Um, and he was the guy who got shot down over the Pacific in World War II and, uh, and, and was, was lost at sea, but then was was rescued, but it was by the Japanese and he spent time in all these camps and the torture that he went through. It's an amazing story, but that's just one of the stories that Marty would tell us, you know, tell us about what it was like to be in Berlin in 1936 and how he was going to, uh, you know, he didn't get to run because he was Jewish and it was in front of, you know, it was when Hitler was coming to, to power there in Germany and, and how Jesse Owens told the coaches in the last day that he wanted to give up his slot to let Marty and and one of the other Jewish runners run Mm. and was told that, you know, you do what you're told, you know, you keep kind of, and it was, you know, back in the 1930s, that was, that's what it was. And, and, and Marty never got to run in that Olympics, but he would tell stories about that. He would tell stories about, and he would say to me, we would say, you know, we were going to do baseball and he would say, well, I can tell you how to do baseball. But you got to listen to tapes of Red Barber. Mm. And then he would tell us stories about Red Barber showing up to the studio to recreate games on a ticker tape. It's just like those kind of things were, were just, I mean, that was worth the tuition at Fordham. That is <laughs> right amazing. there, no doubt about it. He was just an amazingly 
talented person, stern person, um, giving person, warm, generous, just a just a, a, a wonderful human being. And I and I, I had I have such fondness for Marty. That's phenomenal, Chris. I want to talk to you about your foundation and sure. FSHD. And for those that do not know what FSHD is, give us a brief background on what you deal with every day and your foundation. So let me let me back up and 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 say and give you a little background on it as a way of, of, of hitting home what it is. Um, when I was in my early twenties, I was I started falling. You know, I, I'd be walking, I'd step on a crack in the sidewalk, and I my knees would give out or. Um, I noticed some weakness in my arm. My right arm was getting very skinny. I went to a doctor. I, you know, I hadn't been to a doctor in years. You know, you're, you're mm-hmm. a young man. Sure. You know, I didn't even have great medical insurance. I was just out of college. You know, I was, my parents, you know, had like a, I couldn't be on my parents' thing anymore. I was an HMO, you know. But, you know, me and my dad were like, yeah, maybe she go to a doctor. Maybe there's, you know, uh, something he could prescribe, a, a vitamin or something. You know, maybe something to check it out. And I just thought I was out of shape, you know. And the doctor says, no, 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 there's some kind of a, there's some kind of a muscular dystrophy here. And it's like, I mean, that is a punch to the gut. It's like, wait a minute. I, the only thing I know about muscular dystrophy is used to have the telethon with Jerry Lewis and kids in wheelchairs. Like, it can't be what I, what I'm going through here. And they said, well, there are, there's a few different types of muscular dystrophy and you definitely have something. I'm going to send you to a neurologist, a specialist. And I was diagnosed with a type of muscular dystrophy, and it's called FSHD, which stands for fasciocapular humeral dystrophy. Um, it's a disease that, that sort of slowly eats away at particular muscles in the body, both uh, the upper body, the lower body, uh, the face. Um, and when I was given the diagnosis, you know, it's, you can kind of live the way you've been living. They tell you there's really nothing you can take or do. Um, so I kind of did that. I, 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 I didn't, I didn't want it to rob me of all these dreams I had as a kid in my early twenties, looking to embark on a challenging career. Um, I said, all right, I'll do what I can do. And it, it isn't until, you know, years later, as it starts to progress and you get a little worse, um, it starts to affect your life a little bit more. And I remember I call it my midlife crisis. I was about 40 years old and my wife, my wife, Laura, we have a son with, and you know, I, she said to me, you know, it's time for you to start acknowledging what's going on. And, you know, you know, I I was hesitant to tell anything to anybody. I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to even talk about it with close friends. I tried to hide it a lot of times. Um, and, and I always thought, well, when it, one day when I make a name for myself, I'll try and maybe get involved and do something and see what I can do to help people that may have this or other things. And, you know, as I was turning 40 and my wife said, it's time for you to start acknowledging it. And, you know, I kind of looked around what was out there and, you know, there still had been no treatment or cure in the years that I had been diagnosed, but there, there was a way to help people. And that was number one, tell my story, which I, I would, I would hope was going to help younger people who were going through what I had gone through. 
And then to have a mechanism when I started to tell my story where we could raise money and we can start to help fund research. There had been research going on and there was already funding going on with a couple of other organizations, but there needed to be more and maybe draw from another area. Uh, And that being people that were connected to me. So we did that and we started the the Carino Foundation um, and we raise money and all of it goes to research. I don't have a, uh, I don't have an office. I don't have uh, an employee payroll. We just raise money and we give it to researchers. And uh, those researchers have done great work. And what happens is they make discoveries, they advance the science, and then hopefully the big money comes in mm-hmm. from the, NR, the, the, the NIH, which is the National Institute of Health. You, you know, we've had a number of our grants that have been able to support labs that then have gotten millions of dollars from the NIH. Uh, so a $50,000 grant here for a project could lead to millions of dollars in research, which then leads to uh, venture capitalists getting involved, pharmaceutical companies getting involved, which then leads to possible pharmaceuticals that can help. So that's where we are. There's been a tremendous amount of advancement over the last you know, decade. And uh, it's important for me to just go around, keep telling my story and hope that maybe it reaches somebody who can help us. And, uh, and then it, it, may be, it may be too late to kind of turn things around for me, but the next generation behind me is, is absolutely going to benefit. From You're unbelievably proud and you're not one to complain, but I've talked to a lot of the people that know you well and the superlatives they use to describe how you go about living your life and your job are amazing. When you travel with the nets, that's one thing you do have a support group. You have people that are able to assist you when need be. You're on a private airplane. We know how that works. When you do the NFL, almost every Sunday, you're flying on commercial aircraft, and it's a whole different ballgame. How challenging is that for you? How challenging has it been recently to do your job? Well, I'm I'm really really fortunate because I I work for people who can't do enough to help me, and and I have people around me who, who care enough that, that want to help me as well. And I'm, I'm grateful every day for that. And it's, it's part of how you get through it. You know, you, you realize all you're, you're, you're grateful that you have gratitude for the people in your life. I mean, um, you talk about the nets. I mean, my, my radio partner, Tim Capstraw is a guy that, you know, literally carries my bag, you know, and, and, it, and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll lift me out of a chair, you know, like that. I need him to do that a lot of times. And I, they talk about one, one time Mike Breen and, and Van Gundy and, and Mark Jackson, it was a blowout and we were in the building and they, they put the cameras on us and they started talking about this. And, and Mike said, you know, talk about love for your partner. And yeah, that's, that's a bond that Tim and I have um, for the last 20 years. Uh when it comes to the NFL stuff, yeah, it's, it's more of a challenge. And I, I'm really lucky to be working for a company called Compass Media Networks. And I've, and I've done games in them now for, for 13 years. I, I'm, I'm blessed. I've worked with Tim Capstraw on the Nets for over 20 years. And, and, on, and on Compass, I've worked with Brian Baldinger for 13 years. And a few years ago, the, uh, the, the man who, who owns Compass, 
who's been a great supporter of the foundation as well. And, and he was a guy who, when I, when I announced my foundation in 2011, was the first guy to call me and not only offer monetary help, but, but just a supporting, you know, emotional help as well. You know, Hey, what do you need? What can I do for you? And a few years back, he came to me and he said, Hey, I know you're not going to ask me, but would it help you if someone traveled with you? And I said, yeah, it really would. So he said, they're done. You know, we'll pay the expenses of somebody to travel with you. Um, and maybe it's somebody that you want to bring in that would, that can help you and also would enjoy the experience, you know? And, uh, and my neighbor, my neighbor Ira, who lives across the street from me, was a was a new empty nester. His sons had just gone off; had been, you know, one was done with college, another one was headed off. And he's a big football fan. And I and I said, hey, maybe you want to, you know, you want to come on the road with me on these weekends, and have little adventures. We'll we'll go to Kansas City and eat barbecue, and go to Arrowhead and watch games. And mm. and he was like, absolutely, yeah, let's do it, you know. And he's been doing that with me for, I don't know, four, three, four years now. Um, and he loves it. You know, and he always tells me, hey, don't ever think this is a, this is a, a burden for me or, or uh, that you're imposing. Like, I, I absolutely love doing this stuff. So, um, yeah, he travels with me, and I taught him how to be my spotter. So we don't hire a local spotter. That's we phenomenal. Just, you know, Ira's my spotter. So now I have the same spotter every game. And, and he's my personal spotter well wow. in life. Yeah, that's so incredible. Kind of that's the kind of support you know I, I get, and uh, you know, and of course my family when I'm home, I, my wife and my son do a heck of a lot for me, and uh, I'm a lucky person in that regard. Ira's biggest challenge is just keeping up with the energy of Baldy. If he can do that, he's fine, right? Believe me, it, being around Baldy is a selling point <laughs> right. of 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 him wanting to do it because he is a blast. He is a blast to be around. I love and, him. Uh, I love the guy. Ira loves that, too. Yeah. yeah. Chris, what's the most challenging part of your life on a day-to-day basis? Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, it, 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 there are things that um, if, I had, if I had gone from being a 26-year-old and the kind of when it was starting to creep in um, and, and realizing, looking back on what that was like, and I had a, you snap my fingers and go, you know, 26 years ahead. Mm-hmm. It would be an incredible adjustment. You know, like it would be, it would be life changing. It would be life altering, you know, but with this disease, it kind of happened so gradually um, that, you know, you, you're constantly adjusting. So things I did years ago, I can't do now, but it's like, it's hard to notice when that happened. Suddenly I just, I can't get out of a chair the way I used to and then I have to adjust and do it in a different way so it's it's a complicated question but the little things it's funny because I can I can sit and do a basketball game right you know how hard it is to do a basketball game on the radio properly right (laughs) that's the easiest thing I do Mm. like that's just instinct the same way your instinct if you had to get up from a chair or walk across the room climb three steps, get something, go back and sit down on the chair. Like that's something you wouldn't even think about. That is impossible for me to do. So those little things, you know, like to me, the hard part of life is just, you know, getting up from the bed, getting dressed. Um, I'm still able to walk around. I do it at home. 
I don't really walk around when I'm out because it's just sometimes I'm a little shaky and I don't want to fall and hurt myself. So I use a chair now or a scooter. Um, and those have logistics that are difficult as well. You can't just call a cab, you know, you, you need a, an accessible vehicle. Um, you, you can't just, uh, you know, you, you think about, I have to think about whether I'm going to walk into the kitchen right now because every step is a little precarious. Um, but I do it to just keep, I want to be up. I want to be moving around. There's a lot of things that are easy to do when you're standing and you're walking. So I don't want to, I, I hate, I don't, like you said, I don't like to complain. Um, and I don't, I know there are a lot of people that have a lot of difficult things they go through in life. Um, but every, the, the little things are the hard things. And that, that can be challenging to your, to your mental the mental aspect of your life as well, but you got to keep, I, I keep focusing on the things that I do get to do. Uh, I focus on the good things in my life and that's how you get through it. You were talking about the boss at compass and he said, Chris, I know you're not going to say anything because you are proud. Is it hard to ask for help? It, it was extremely hard at first. And I think this is what I, what I tell people is um, your pride will get in the way. Your stubbornness will get in the way. And then when you first start asking for help, it's difficult. And then it becomes much easier. But then you have to make sure you get to a point where you don't take it for granted. So I never wanted to get to a point where um, I start insisting on the help and that I know that no one, no one's obligated to help me. And I think this is one of those things where we say, well, sometimes you may go through something in life and it will, it will make you a better person. Hmm. My focus, not that I, I think, I think what helped me and gave me the help I needed was I probably was this kind of person before, um, but this this has kind of reinforced it for me, is that when you need help, you got to make sure you're the kind of person that people want to help. You know, people could very easily run away from me, but I like to think that I treat people in a certain way, and I am helpful to people in a certain way, that they're then there for me. You know, if I need help at home from my wife and my son, like I've got to make sure that. I'm a really good husband. I'm a really good father. Because they're not, they're not, I mean, yeah, they, they're, they're my family, but I want them to help me because they, they love me and they want to help me. You know, so I want to be the kind of person that they are proud to help. And I think, I think that's an important thing. You know, uh, we go, you know, Ryan Holiday, the author, had a, had a book, you know, The Obstacle is the Way. It's a stoic philosophy. You know, sometimes you go through challenging things and it makes you a better person. It helps you focus um, on the right things. And, you know, that you use that obstacle to transform your life. And I, and I think that I'm, I'm no doubt I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a better person. I think more about others. I think more about what others are going through. Um, then maybe I would have if, if I didn't go through what I'm going through. Your story is amazing. Your outlook is incredible. 
Is this disorder genetic? Do you worry about your son or is it not genetic? It is. Um, it can be a mutation, which is what we think happened in my life. Although uh, my father looked like he, he was displaying some of it later in his life. And he may have had a mild form of it. He passed away uh, a few years ago. But um, so we, but, but at the time, and, and for most of my life, we just thought it was just, no, we couldn't find anybody else in the family that had it. So, uh, but it is, it is transferable. It's a, there's a 50-50 shot of you passing it down to your sibling. Um, you know, my son's 18 right now. He hasn't shown outward signs of it. Uh, so we just monitor that. And, um, you know, I, I, you don't want to label, you don't want to put, put it in people's minds or mm-hmm. label people unless you have to. So that's what we'll kind of cross that bridge when we have to come to it. For those that are listening that want more information or to get involved with your foundation, what's the best way? It's chriscarinofoundation.org. Uh, you can find us on social media, if you, you know, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook at Carino FSHD. Uh, you can just Google me or Google the Carino Foundation two R's in Carino. Uh, you know, it's it's a uh, it's funny because it, you you just keep telling your story, and one of the one of one of my biggest supporters, a guy that's really helped us out over the years, and I've gotten him involved in. FSHD and it's I was in Sacramento I know you're still in Sacramento right Grant uh, I'm back and forth between South Florida and Sacramento but yes okay yeah but you know like you know you're with the Kings and um, I was actually in Sacramento one year uh, one time and I got a call from uh, or I got a message from someone who reached out and said hey I heard your story and I'd like to get involved and I said well um you know, give me a call. We'll talk about it. And I was in Sacramento and he called me and we had a conversation. He was a young man and he was, he wanted to get involved. And it turned out he, he lived in San Francisco. And I said, well, you know, I'm going to be in San Francisco tomorrow. Let's have coffee, you know? And, and we had coffee and he's become a good friend and he's become our biggest supporter. And, um, and, and he is, and he's got involved in other direct, uh, FSHD research, uh, investment, and he's going to play a major role in, in helping people with this disease. And he's a young guy and he lives in the Bay Area. And that's all because I was out there telling my story. And it reaches somebody who was kind of hesitant to, to come out and talk about it, um, but saw me and said, hey, I, I, see, I see what I'm going through in you. And, and now I think you've given me the courage to come forward. And that's the kind of thing we do. So maybe this interview reaches somebody who is in that position. Um, and wants to shoot me a note on Twitter, and and then we can, uh, you know, maybe see how you can help. You know what I've learned, Chris, over the last two years? There are a lot of angels out there, and you've run into angels, and when you're in need and you're going through despair or whatever the case may be, we're all dealing with different things. An angel comes into your life when you least expect it, and that's what I've learned. Hmm. Yeah, I know people are put into this world um, – because they have a skill set. Sometimes that can help other people. I mean, I, I just, you know, I have a new podcast with the Nets called The Voice of the Nets, and I just had Jason Collins on the other day. And, you know, Jason came out, uh, you know, as a gay man years ago, and, and you know, he talked about so many people that have reached out to him, and he told a story of his, of a, of a you know, a, a man who's, who's, you know, a guy who was a fireman and, 
was not, you know, his son had come out and was gay and, and he, and he kind of turned his back on his son, but then he reached out to him and he said, what, what he saw what Jason did and it, it made him see everything in a different light and he reconciled with his son. And, and, and all I'm thinking about is, you know, how a guy like that could come out and give other people the courage to, to live their authentic lives. And, and, you know, he was in a position to help people and, and, you know, whether what side you are in the argument, not argument, but you know, what side you are on, on how you feel about his lifestyle, it, it, you can't deny that, you know, there are people out there that are hurting, that are living lives because they, they don't want to be open and honest about who they are. I was like that with my FSHD and my muscular dystrophy. And then, you you know, it's when you relieve yourself and you can be your authentic self and you can help other people. I mean, damn, it's one of the most important things you can do. So anybody who's struggling with something right out there, you know, don't be don't feel like you got to hide it. There's a lot of people that are going through the same thing. Fabulous conversation. I cannot thank you enough. And I wish you the best of luck with that podcast. I think I just saw something recently. This is going to be a new thing, right? You're doing with the Nets. It's once a week. Am I correct about that? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to do it every other week during the off season. And then we'll uh, do it every week during the season. And uh, hopefully we'll have a lot of uh, interesting guests because, you know, they came to me and said, Hey, would you like to do a podcast? I was like, yeah, sure. But you know, you could do it however, whatever you want it to be. You know, so it's going to be nets and it's going to be end of the day to day, some of the stuff there, but it's also going to be um, things that, that tap into what we've been talking about here. And uh, I'm excited about that. Well, Chris, thank you so much. I cannot thank you enough. This was a phenomenal conversation. I wish you nothing but the best going forward and uh, hopefully our paths will cross in the near future. And thank you for educating me more on Fordham. I'm embarrassed because I've known Bob Papa for 30 years. Uh, I consider Bob a very good friend of mine. We communicate via text quite often. He checks up on me. And I'm embarrassed to say I didn't know he was a Fordham graduate. So don't tell him because I won't be able to recover from that one. Your 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 secret is safe. Hopefully, you know, unless he listens to your podcast, I'm not sure. Uh, he's been on it a couple times, so I hope so. But again, thank you very much. Yeah. I wish you nothing but the best moving forward. You got it, Grant. Thanks. What a phenomenal conversation with Chris Carino. That was awesome. We ship nothing but the best. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now time for our CrowdUltra Q&A. Just go to CrowdUltra.com. Maybe I'll answer your question on my next podcast. David asked, have you ever seen an owner of another team at a playoff game like Vivek? What the hell is this guy doing? David, I don't have the answer to that question on what the hell the guy is doing. I agree with you. I think it's a bad look. I don't understand it. And you'd have to ask Vivek. I don't get it. I really don't. Do not understand that. David asked, do you think the PGA is in jeopardy of being surpassed by the Saudis? Well, 
it seems that now that one person has said, I'm playing, Dustin Johnson, namely, being the big star, Phil Mickelson, now you have others that are saying, show me the money. I think this could be a real big issue. Absolutely. I don't think the PGA is in jeopardy of being surpassed, but certainly this is not a good deal for the PGA. Let's put it that way. Because now that a couple of players have broken the ice, so to speak, others are going to follow suit. It'll be very interesting to see how many go over to the uh, Lib League. Very interesting indeed. Absolutely. Matt wants to know, will firing Matted make any difference to the Angels' performance? You know, Matt, sometimes managerial changes do. I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. But I remember being a Yankee fan when the Yankees fired Billy Martin in 1978 when the Yanks were 13 and a half back of Boston and they hired Bob Lemon and it was like a completely different team. So, you know, it it can make a difference. Usually it doesn't, uh, but it certainly can. Zach wants to know, why do you think Quinn Snyder left the Jazz if the Jazz wanted him to stay? Zach, don't believe everything you read. There's two sides to every story. There's a lot more to this story than you or I know. I wouldn't really read uh, too much into it. Isn't it interesting, Rob asked, that Duke hired an old Nike executive as their men's basketball GM to probably help with NIL deals? You know, Rob, I haven't thought of it. I guess I could. Um, Certainly that is the wave of the future. I guess time will tell. Dylan asked, have I seen the hockey comedy Shorzy on Hulu? I have not. Kevin wants to know, how do you think LeBron and Rasheed Wallace will mesh? Kevin, it's a non-issue. Rasheed Wallace is an assistant coach. Uh, Also, Rasheed was a player that, even though he got technical after technical after technical, his teammates loved playing with him. The teammates on Portland didn't have any problem playing with Rasheed, but I don't don't know why you're bringing up LeBron and Rasheed. Darvin Ham's the head coach, not Rasheed Wallace, so I really don't think it's an issue at all. Again, go to CrowdUltra.com. Send me your question, and maybe I'll answer it on my next podcast. It's time for Rant. 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 All right, today's rant is about tipping. Are you a good tipper? Do you tip? Here's something I don't understand, and maybe you can help me. So if you go to a bar and you order a drink, or let's just say you order a beer, right? What does it take the bartender? 10 seconds to get you the beer? And if, let's say, it's 6 bucks, very often... You'll leave a dollar, or if it's $4, you'll give them a five and say, keep the change, right? What did the bartender do? They reached down into the bin, they grabbed the beer, they opened it, and if it's a draft, it may take 20 to 25 seconds, and you tip them, right? Now, let me ask you this. Let's say you go to Baskin and Robbins, and you order a double scoop cone, and you watch the person that is trying to get the ice cream out of the bin, and it's almost like they're breaking their freaking wrist, right? You ever watch that? Or if you go to a yogurt shop and you order yogurt and you want this topping or that topping, and it takes a little while, correct? Do you tip them? Generally not. They don't make a lot of money in tips. Why is it that we tip an individual like a bartender for doing five seconds of work, but the person behind the counter at Baskin and Robbins or something similar to that very rarely get tips? I've never quite understood that. I've never really quite understood that. Bartenders automatically get tipped on almost everything that someone orders, correct? I mean, you tell me, when you go to a bar and you order a drink or a round of drinks, you leave a tip, don't you? Do you leave a tip when you go get a yogurt or an ice cream? Do you leave a tip for other workers in fast food restaurants or whatever the case may be? I've never quite understood that. Maybe you could help me out. You could leave me a comment. 
You can hit me up on my Twitter page, at Grant Napier Show, or go to my YouTube page if you don't like that with Grant Napier, and you can leave me a comment because I've never quite understood that. It's not like I'm losing sleep over it. It's not anything that really bothers me. But I was in Baskin and Robbins the other day, and I saw the person, you know, they needed braces on their wrist after they were done trying to get the ice cream out. It was like hard as a freaking rock. No tip. I watched the person in front of me. No tip. And I'm like, gee, how come that person's not getting a tip? But if that same individual walked into a bar and ordered a beer, they'd probably leave a buck. Don't quite understand that. And that's my rant for today. And that is my podcast for today. Once again, my thanks to Chris Carino and a fabulous discussion. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Have yourself a fabulous weekend. And thank you so much for listening. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. So long, everybody. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.